This is Carl Palachuk, and you're listening to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. This podcast is brought to you by Crypto Stopper. As you see all too frequently, ransomware continues to bypass antivirus and malware protection, and backups only help you clean up the mess. That is, if they aren't wiped out during the attack. Crypto Stopper is specifically designed to add a layer of protection beyond antivirus and anti-malware by detecting and stopping actively running ransomware on a network in less than one second. It uses bait files to detect and stop ransomware and runs parallel to and as part of your current security stack. Add CryptoStopper as protection to an unavoidable threat, differentiating your service offering and allowing you to secure your customers and their trust. For more information or to get a four-month free trial, visit getcryptostopper.com slash mspradio. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. This is Carl Palchuk, and my guest today is Mr. Nigel Moore from the Tech Tribe. Welcome, sir. G'day. How are you? G'day. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's tomorrow. I hope, I hope tomorrow turns out to be a good day for me. It is. If you'd like to know the Bitcoin price, I can sell it to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me know what the Bitcoin price is. <laughs> so uh, I will give you a brief introduction, uh, and then I'll let you give a longer introduction. Uh, I met Nigel. I just, I just found out because of something somebody posted on Facebook nine years ago. So it's quite amazing uh, in Miami and um, the, the world was very, very different back then. And <laughs> I think neither one of us had much gray hair. So. No, but we, but we did have, uh, we did drink like fishes back then. <laughs> yes. So uh, Nigel has been a managed service provider and sold that company and started up, decided, Hey, you know, I want a community and has uh, decided to start up the Tech Tribe a couple years ago uh, to help community members grow and survive and in many ways uh, prepare for what they're now going through. Yeah, and, um, and you're right. So I, I, I had a love of the community, even just first meeting you back in 2009, it would have, no, it was 2010, whatever it was, oh, was, it was somewhere it? around then. Yeah, I think it was 2010. And, um, and I developed this crazy love of the community. It shocked me at first that there's this community of, of businesses that share their secrets with each other. <laughs> it just blew my mind initially. And I'm like, whoa, I got to get involved in this thing and hear all these secrets. And eventually it got to the point where I was comfortable sharing as well. And uh, I started giving back a whole lot more than what I was taking, which in the initial stages, I was taking a lot. Uh, but I loved that giving back component and teaching and coaching and helping other people avoid all the stupid stuff that I had done over the years. And, uh, and that eventually led into to what's now our tech tribe and our community where I teach and coach and, and mentor and train and equip um, MSPs around the world to avoid the stuff that I got wrong and, and do some of the stuff that I've learned from you and, and other people around the place as well. You know, it's funny. I, I have a slide that I show sometimes where I've got a, a jar and it's labeled secret sauce. And I always <laughs> tell people, you know, secret sauce, it comes in a clear j glass jar with the ingredients clearly labeled, right? <laughs> exactly there is wrong. no secret sauce, you know? Yep. It's, it's, the only secret is execution. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, if somebody told you, oh, you should be, you should have good cash reserves in case the economy goes down. 
you wouldn't be like, oh my God, let me write this down. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like common, common sense, right? And there's, so, nothing, there's nothing unusual about common sense. It's just common sense. It's, it's the execution is the hard part that most of us struggle with. And, right. uh, and because it's from the execution, we can, even you and I as coaches, I'm sure you see this as well, is that we can tell people something until we're black and blue in the face. But until they experience the mistake personally themselves, they don't learn the lesson. And that's true for all of us is that, right. that quite often we've got to go and experience something ourselves to learn the lesson. And so that's one of the things I, I try and ed, ed, encourage most of my people to do as much as possible is just get out there and execute. I can give you the, the ways to the things to look out for as you're executing, but get out there and execute because that's how you're going to learn the best lessons you can. Well, and I think part of it is that we all start out using so-called common sense, right? <laughs> And, and so somebody says, hey, can you get me this computer? Sure. All right. All right. And then you get it and then you send them an invoice and you've just suddenly stepped into not being paid in advance. Yeah. And you didn't really make it. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you just did it. And yeah. I think so many of us start out that way. You know, yeah. we don't invoice in a timely manner. We don't get paid in advance. You know, we just, we do what makes sense on the day. Yeah, we do it again and again and again, and pretty soon it's a habit. And, and then it, and until it doesn't make sense, and then you get in trouble. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> until somebody can't pay their bills. Yeah. So, um, and, and right. that's the, the the thing with that one that I was going to say was that um, most of us in the tech space we come from a deep core value of wanting to serve others. We don't come from a place of wanting to build a business first. We typically come from that place of we love helping other people. Right. And so we make all those decisions without thinking about the business ramifications of them first. And, and that takes time over, over years to then go, okay, we've done all this. We've helped all these people. We've done no, no cash up front deals or whatever it is. And now we're learned all the lessons from them. And, and then now, now we know what to do properly next time around. Yep. So I want to talk about your new book. So your latest and greatest book is survive and thrive which is kind of a, a beautiful two-prong approach to getting through the next, uh, well, at least the next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think- so um, tell I think, us about that. Where, where'd that come from? Uh, so when this, this whole COVID situation in, it immediately started, kind of manifested and, and started popping out in the marketplace, I started jumping on tons of calls and I was on panels with different vendors and whatnot. And we were having worlds of different conversations around how we would approach this this thing, what MSPs should be looking out for, what things they can do right now to, to give themselves the best chance of getting through and what opportunities they should be looking out for on the other side that are coming out of this thing. And I was having all of these, these conversations and I thought, how can I get all this in one spot out to the world? And I just started writing and I thought it would be maybe a 10, 12 page kind of thing that right. would, um, I'd just go and send out to a few of my tribe members or whatnot. And Five days later, it turned into a 22,000 word, 88 page book. <laughs> and I went, ah, well, now it's there. I've kind of got most of the stuff out of my head now and it turned into a book. And so the whole goal is the first part of the book is just the whole pile of tactics and, and ideas and thoughts that you should be thinking about to give yourself the best chance of getting through this immediate part of the issue. Then the second part of the book is, is based around the silver linings that are out there for MSPs that, that there is quite a few of them of opportunities that you can look out for because there is going to be a new normal on the other side of this thing. And there's going to be some, some things that are changed for the worse for us. And there's going to be some things that are changing for the better for us. And for MSPs, I see where as horrible as the entire situation is, I don't want to take away from that. I see the MSP space is actually benefiting a lot from this in the next 12 to 18 months in that it's, 
it's made people see IT as a serious, serious contender and a serious part of their business, which a lot of people didn't up until now, even as much as we wanted them to, they're still valuing IT as a cost center rather than a, an investment center in their business. So uh, I don't know about Australia. So we have a term that we've been using here called an essential business yes. right? that certain businesses can stay open because they're essential. Uh, and we have discovered IT consulting is an essential business. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, it's not like we had to sell clients on it, right? Yeah. As soon as clients were sent home, they turned to their IT consultants and were like, you got to help me get set up. How do I do this? I don't know how to do yeah. uh, video calling and all that. It's, you know, we've been hearing about it. Some of us have been doing it for 20 years, yeah. but our clients haven't. And, yeah. and it's, there's, they, they don't have a reason to do it. Why would they? Yeah, correct. And that's what I've, I have heard. So there's, there's, the fear that comes through all of us when something like this happens is, ah, are my clients going to need me? Am I going to reduce my business? Am I going to lose clients over this thing? And the, the underlying theme that I'm seeing everywhere at the moment is end users are coming to their MSPs after this initial hump of transitioning to remote from home and saying, holy crap, you guys just saved our business. Like you, we bow down to you as gods now. That, that <laughs> so, looking at. And that's, I'm hearing that from many different angles and, and already tons of our clients are closing deals now around new things that, that clients knew they should have been putting in place ages ago, but yeah. just never and, did. And you can literally look ahead and see the stages we're going to go through, right? Yeah. First they went home and now they come back and say, yeah, but I'm using an eight year old computer that <laughs> exactly. used to be on my desk at work. And now it's like, it's just yeah. not doing the job for video conferencing. Um, and so there's that, but then you can also see this is the perfect time to do true consulting. Yes. Like if the client has to downsize their staff, how do you make sure they're using the right equipment, that they move things around and give the people who stay the best equipment? How do they plan for downsizing and plan for when the economy improves? They need us for every piece of that. Yeah. And that, that is such a valuable, valuable, if I can speak properly, part of the conversation right now is that, that people, any, any business in most industries now are looking for cost efficiencies. And there is so many cost efficiencies that can be born from technical solutions. And so instead of going out there and, and worrying about the technical support and the working from home, which has all been done and dusted and it's going it's gonna to still be there. Now is the time to start looking out there for ways you can dive into your existing clients and understand their business a little bit more so that you can say, Hey, did you know you've already using this tool as part of office 365, you've got, you've got access to this stuff or part of whatever tool suite you've got but we can now help you get set up on it to use it properly. And that might get rid of two or three staff for you that you don't need to pay. Or you can, instead of having to fire those staff, maybe you can put them into more a different part of the business, maybe a, a growth side of the business or something. And right. there's going to be so much opportunity for that now where people are just going to take those conversations seriously. How can you make me more efficient or more profitable or more innovative or whatever it might be? And the best part is at this point, it doesn't have to be a sales conversation. You can literally yeah. say, you know, you've got that big screen TV in your conference room. We can make that a Zoom conferencing yeah. tool for you for essentially nothing, right? Correct, yeah. Bring, bring your camera back into the office when you're done with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, and there's a lot of stuff like that where you can have a business level conversation, a strategy conversation. Yeah. It doesn't cost them anything today, but, and they literally will turn to you and bow down once again, as you said. <laughs> exactly right. Like this and is great I, stuff. <laughs> exactly. What I, what the, 
there's a, a very advanced tactic that I've seen a few people use in this where it's, it's based around value-based pricing and you go into a, a client and any of your clients and you look and understand their business. And this requires talking to them about their business. And you might spot an opportunity where you know that you can completely change that, that department around in their business by instituting some new technology or just better using their current technology. And you say to them, look, we know we're going to inst- be able to get a 20, 30, 40% cost saving for you here by getting rid of this manual process or automating all of these processes here for you. We're not going to charge you upfront for it. We want a, an upside of the efficiency that we're saving. So we might go 50-50 with you in the efficiencies that we're saving in there. So if you can get rid of a staff member or two, that's going to save you 150 grand a year. We'll do that for 75 grand for that project. And you, the first year you make 75 grand and every other year after that, you're making another 150 grand to your bottom line. And it's an advanced tactic to get in there and be able to do that because you've got to know that you can deliver right those efficiencies and you're going to have quantifiable data to be able to do it. But in this day and age where people are a little bit more tight on their purse strings, it's so much easier to have a conversation where you're going to say, Hey, we're not charging you up front for this thing, but we're going to make you save at least 75 grand or whatever a year in your business out of it. Right. Well, and you know, if you're one of the handful of advisors that they turn to when they're, you know, like again, small businesses, it's a tough decision to get rid of an employee. But if they're trying to figure out whether or not that makes sense for them and you help them make that decision, you, you literally elevate yourself to becoming a business advisor. Correct. You, you get that seat at the table then, which is where so the, the value is. Here's a question. Do you think as a result of this, that it will be, that the clients will be a little more interested in having technology conversations instead of saying, Oh yeah, blah, blah, TCP, whatever. I don't understand anything you're talking to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes and no. I don't think they're going to be any more interested in technology conversations. They're going to be interested in business outcome conversations aided by technology. And, And that's a big distinction that most MSPs have to start working on is that they have to lead business conversations with their clients and they have to get more comfortable with having business conversations with their clients, knowing that they're going to come in with a technology solution to back that business conversation up. And so my encouragement is, still even more so after this happens, steer clear of having the TCPIP conversations and all of that stuff and talk about business outcomes, talk and deeply about business outcomes, where they're at, what they can do, where their inefficiencies are, where their pain points are. And, and then, and only then do you say, Oh, well, we can solve that with technology, but let's, let's do it from a business perspective first. Cause not only is that what the clients want, but it's also super valuable. That's, that's not the hundred dollar an hour work. That's far more valuable than that. Well, and if your clients have ever come to you and say, one of the things I like about you is that you explain this to us in a way that it doesn't sound like technical (laughs) jargon and you don't talk down to us. If your clients have said that to you, they are ready for you to step up on the business side. Yeah. 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 And that, that takes time. In my journey, it was a, it was a long journey to be able to be comfortable having business level conversations because I was, when I first started in business, I was a, a one man band running from my dining room table, 50 grand in debt. And, uh, and I was a small guy and I was having these conversations with people that are running 50 million and hundred million dollar businesses that we had some of them as our clients. And I didn't feel like I was able to have conversations with those guys about anything <laughs> other than tech because I didn't feel the confidence in it. And that, that was something that I had to just intentionally work on over time as to, to open up my thinking and my, um, my skill set myself around business level stuff so that I could have those deeper conversations with clients. And the more I did it, the better I got at it. And it took years for me. I was a, took, I'm a slow learner sometimes and it took me some years <laughs> to get that confidence. But that would be another encouragement to people out there is, is do whatever you can to 
continually progress your business knowledge and confidence to be able to have better, deeper conversations with your clients. Because the further you work up that value chain, the more value you're going to deliver to your clients and the more you can charge. Well, and unfortunately, it is experiences like what we're going through in the next six months that give you the experience you need to have <laughs> confidence like, hey, trust this me. Is true. This, <laughs> this right? is true. So we kind of slipped into the thriving piece of this. Let me go back yes. to, to the surviving piece. What, now. You know, your, your book is excellent, by the way, in terms of being flat out honest. There's some tough stuff you got to look at. And if you're not doing these things right, now is the day, right? Yeah. You've, been, you've been putting off making wise decisions about your business. Today is the day. What yeah. would you say are the toughest pieces of advice that folks need to hear? Um, two of the biggest ones I'm seeing at the moment is number one, because we've had, what is it, like an 11 year bull market we've been in where times have been good, money's been flowing, people are paying. We've made, a lot of us have made decisions that aren't great in terms of our team. And so I've seen a lot of MSPs where they've got two or three stragglers on the team that instead of performance managing properly and probably getting rid of out of their business, they've just kept them on because they haven't necessarily needed to get rid of them because times have been good and money's been flowing. And so one of the big ones I'm seeing at the moment is um, people having to make that decision to, to get rid of some staff that haven't been performing up until now that should have been got rid of six, 12, 18, 24 months ago, but because, times have been good. They've just let it go. And so that's one, a big one I'm seeing. Um, it's an unfortunate for the people that need to move on, but unfortunately it's business and whatever the climate, whether it's caused by something like this or anything else, it's still a necessary part of business to move along people that aren't, aren't in there. Right. The other one is um, it's just accounts receivable. I see so many MSPs because we're with that mindset of um, coming from technology and we just want to help people and whatever first, we don't fit our own oxygen mask and our own oxygen mask is cash flow And we, we quite often for me for years, I let my clients just treat me like a bank and it nearly sent me out of business twice. And I learned that lesson very well. Um, and so one of the things I'm, I'm deeply encouraging all the people that I'm working with is you've got to get your accounts receivable, not only under control and get it back in place, but you've got to become the squeaky wheel. And then you've also got to make sure that you, from now onwards, if you don't already, you have to have a repeatable and consistent and automated process for managing accounts receivable in there not only to chase up things, but to also track, like chase up overdue invoices and whatnot. You should have all of that automated. Um, and you should have some human element as in calling people and whatnot uh, at certain intervals inside that process. And it should be consistent. That's the biggest thing. It should be consistent. But you should also be tracking the trends in your accounts receivable right now. The average debtor days and the accounts receivable balance and those types of things so that you can spot trends before they become issues and make decisions. And if you've got average debtor days bouncing out like crazy, you need to start making some decisions. And, on what and there's no way to avoid that. You know, if you've got a process yeah. in place where people pay in arrears, um, that's got to be one of the things that you fix. Um, you Huge. know, there, I hadn't thought about it before, but, you know, there are probably people who have been in business 10 years and have never had a client not pay them. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah, yeah. I've been in business. I haven't learned the lesson yet. Yeah, I've been in business 25 years. Trust yeah. me, I've had clients not paying. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you've never had that experience, then letting everybody pay whenever they get around to it is fine. Yeah. But yeah. I, my heart goes out to the people who are owed twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 yeah. from their quote unquote best clients. Best clients. Yeah. And 
and they don't want to have that conversation. And you yeah. have to have that conversation because in general, the thing I learned in the first economic downturn of my business, which was two economic downturns ago, <laughs> uh, I learned that whoever's better at managing money is yes. going to come out ahead. Correct. You know, I mean, there's an old joke about, you know, when a man with money meets a man with experience, the man with the money leaves with the experience and the man with yeah. the experience leaves with the money. Exactly. Um, you know, if you're better at managing your money than your clients are, then they will pay their bills. And if you're not, yeah. then they won't pay their bills. Correct. And, and to me, one of the big things that changed our process, and I, I'm encouraging people to now, and as horrible as it is again, is you've got to be comfortable with credit hold out there. Because you are not a bank. You're an awesome IT company and you've got to be an awesome IT company. And to do that, you need cash. You can't be a bank. And so one of the things that we had was we were very tight on our credit hold. Once I'd learned those expensive lessons, we were very, very, very tight on our credit hold. And credit hold went in place, I think it was 35 or 41 days after an invoice was due, like an invoice due date. So three weeks or four weeks, four weeks it was thereabouts. And um, yeah, it was 40 30 days, I think it was. There's something thereabouts. But our system that we used, our PSA, allowed us to do that completely automatically and consistently. And so for the first couple of months when we rolled out that automatic credit hold thing, we had some of our most loved clients go on credit hold. And I'm watching it going, oh, crap. Like, that feels so <laughs> bad to me. But they learned the lesson. And unfortunately, they had to learn the lesson the hard way. And from then on, they were perfect payers after that. We ended up being the squeakiest wheel that had some rules in place. And when I instituted those rules, I didn't just put them in without any explanation. I put them in and explained to my guys why we put them in and explained to the clients and said, look, we nearly just went out of business because one of our most loved clients that was this charity that had been around since the 1950s with a prudent board and everything went into administration and we lost nearly $40,000 from it, nearly sent us out of business. And so we realized we're crappy bankers and we're awesome IT people. And so we just want to focus on being awesome IT people, which means we're going to be tight on our credit to make sure that we're here to support you tomorrow. And when we had that conversation, the why conversation with clients, they understood it much, much, much better. And, and over a space of a six to 12 month period, we changed our whole numbers in terms of our metrics with accounts receivable, right to the point where we never had a cash flow problem again after that. And, right. um, well, and our risk was really, really low. In the US 10 years ago, 12 years ago, this all started with the banks, you know, failing <laughs> so exactly that did not happen this time so now everything is going you know our government is putting things putting the money through the banks to the mm. businesses uh, and so i think credit isn't loose by any stretch of the imagination yes. but it's at least possible today where it was nearly impossible a dozen years ago and and so i think it, it's much easier to say look you don't have to be the bank there was a bank wanting to yes, be the bank. exactly exactly. And, you know, some of the distributors uh, will help you get loans, yes. and there's even companies, entire companies, who exist now to help serve MSPs, yep. and they will help your clients figure out how to make payments. And you know, you you just don't have to play that role. Yeah. <clears throat> Another uh, tough topic that you touched on is uh, you know letting some of your employees go, downsizing. To yeah. me, that. That was one of the single hardest things I ever had to learn to do. Yeah, same. And, uh, and nobody wants to do it. You know, these are your friends. And, you know, sometimes we keep people on, like you said, longer than they should. <laughs> um, but when, you, when the money's not flowing, you don't have any choice, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the pieces of bad advice I've heard is 
that you should lower your rates to help your clients. Yeah. <laughs> but if you think about it for a minute, you can't lower your rates low enough to save one of your clients. The only thing exactly. that will save a client in trouble is they have to cut employees. Correct. And or rent. Yeah. And the same is true for you, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you're beginning to feel the squeeze, you need to start thinking about this, whether you want to or not. Yeah. And what I've seen across a couple of clients that have had to do that, they've had to get rid of one or two people that just haven't been team players anyway. They've gotten rid of them. And the extra morale for the rest of the team has jumped through the roof and they've picked up the, the extra slack in there and they've just gone, hey, we knew that that guy wanted to go. None of us wanted him around here anyway. It was a, a dead weight in here. We're all going to pick up the slack now because you've, you've made that thing. And so I'm seeing that as a big, big shift. People are going, ah, good, good decision. It means that our job's much safer now. We're willing right. to dive in and, and do a little bit of extra work to, to make sure the company can survive through this thing. Well, it also helps that you do it the right way. Right, yes. because every change to the employees is a change to your culture. So yeah. you want to do it right. You want to treat them with respect, and you know, because everybody who's days is going to want to know. Oh, that's the way he takes care of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and character is being shown through this thing like crazy. Yeah. So you have to be careful how you do that. Uh, all right, let me switch gears. Uh, so we only have about five minutes left. Um, tell me. What is the tech tribe and uh, is this book related to the tribe or is it just for fun and you publish it to the tribe because, you know, what the hell you want the company, you can do whatever you want. Exactly. All of the above. <laughs> uh, the tech tribe is essentially a, a space where I teach and coach and, and mentor a bunch of MSPs around the world. We've got about 700 odd MSPs in there now and about a thousand users with their teams in there. And, um, and it's got a community component. It's got a, a resource component where we've filled it up with all different types of templates uh, to be able to use like managed service agreement templates and whatnot, uh, proposal templates, as well as training in there on different parts of the business. And, um, and so the book essentially, as you, you just asked, was that a part of it? The book was just me going to get something out for my tribe and I was going to send it out to the tribe. Then I went, hang on, the entire industry needs this. We're in a spot right now where I'm doing whatever we can to look after our tribe and we're doing lots of work with them as a group of people. But I thought the industry just needs help right now. And we're in a very comfortable spot in our business. So I need to go out and just throw this stuff out there for free. It's, a, it's the whole thing about buying goodwill at the moment, and, um, which is a strategy that any MSP should be doing is going out and giving as much goodwill and help as you possibly can in your marketplace right now knowing that some of that will hopefully turn into some dollars down the track for you. Even if it doesn't, it's still goodwill that you're getting out there into the marketplace. And so that book was just that. I just went, well, I could charge for it. I could ask people for their email address for it, for an opt-in or whatever. And I thought, stuff all of that. Let's just get it into as many hands as we possibly can. Certain number of people will want to find out more about what we are. And they'll know where to find us when they want to. And uh, so this thing is, there's no marketing tactics or anything behind it. Even if you go to the opt-in page to download it, we've got a link there that says you can download it before you opt into our newsletter with, without having to do it. Because if you choose, you want to opt into our newsletter, feel free. But I'm not even asking for that in this one. It's just get it out the there. Web, website is thetechtribe.com. Correct. Yeah. And you can download the guide from thetechtribe.com slash guide uh, or the book. It's called Survive and Thrive. And um as I said, you don't even have to opt into our email list so that we spam you in there. You just you can download it straight on that page. There's a link straight on that page that you can grab it from. And then if you, all right, well, and I want to clarify for people that despite your southern accent, people don't have to be <laughs> from Australia. No, 
in order to join the tribe. You have folks not only from North America, but from Europe as well. Yeah, we're, um, we're about 40% North America, uh, 30% Europe, and Australia is only 22%, I think, in there, even though I'm from down here. Uh, it's, it's less. Maybe my guys out here hate, hate me because I've got the same accent as them. <laughs> so um, so we're from uh, New Zealand and the Philippines and... Yeah. Oh, okay. People from everywhere. We've got, um, we got Singapore. We've got, we had two from France join this week. We've had um, everywhere. But most is, the biggest is North America for us. So North America is about 40% US and Canada. Very cool. So folks can find out about the Tech Tribe at thetechtribe.com. And um, obviously, uh, you've got some free giveaways there, not the least of which is the, the, the Survive guide. and Thrive book. So and it's that, thetechtribe.com slash guide. Anything else you want to throw out there before we finish up? No, just as always, a thank you to you, Carl, because half of the stuff in that guide I probably learned from you over the years. <laughs> Just regurgitated. This is the uh, pay it forward uh, moment. So there you go. Yeah. So very cool. That's it. I just want to encourage everybody out there that's listening to this is that that now is the time to to dive in, do the work, be uncomfortable. The more uncomfortable you are now, the the greater it's going to turn into good stuff for you later on down the track. And, um, and know that there is silver linings in here for MSPs. I feel MSPs are some of the most protected business models in the world right now. And, uh, and don't get caught up in the, the media beatdowns that are happening out there. Just get out there and just help as many people as you possibly can. Throw the goodwill out there as much as you possibly can. Be back to that core value that we all have of service and, and it will come back to you tenfold. I agree completely. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. Thank you again. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.